Okay, so welcome. This is um, our new uh, exciting launch of the Lowdown Culture Cast. And uh, we are featuring people that are contributing to the culture here on the Lower East Side and specifically that you know, are, are doing some things to help change the culture in all, all different aspects, whatever that might mean. And we're here at PNT Knitwear in their lovely community uh, podcast booth. And I'm here now with Natalie Cates, um, gallery owner, curator, and um, style, style curator as well, which we'll talk about, who recently opened a new gallery down here on the Lower East Side. And um, the, I was reading, Natalie, that you um, consider it a, a nomadic artist in residence. That's what you guys are working on, featuring different artists, but in a residency. And what, what do you mean by nomadic? Well, before we opened up our brick and mortar, which we officially opened March 2022, during the pandemic, we had to be nomadic so we moved around in various locations, New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. And by moving around, we were able to help artists who, because of the pandemic, had shows that were furloughed, that were canceled, sales that were canceled, losing their studios because landlords weren't willing to compromise on you know, their rents during these challenging times. So yes, we did start as a nomadic artist residency in 2020 and each residence each resident we hosted one month at a time at the end of their stay it culminated into an exhibition fast forward 2022 we found an amazing location at 561 grand street we are also fellow lower east side people as well we've lived in the neighborhood for 11 years, my husband and I, the namesake of the gallery, Kate's Ferry Projects. And at that point, we were like, let's put our money where our mouth is, let's invest in our neighborhood, let's invest in other stakeholders like yourself, other creatives, and let's give them a platform. So we signed a lease, we went through a three month renovation, and now we have a brick and mortar. So we're less nomadic, because we do have a base and we will be there for the next 10 years as we sign a 10 year lease. So if we were to still add that nomadic quote unquote to the Kate's Ferry Projects equation, it would be because we do still partner with spaces outside of Manhattan and particularly the Lower East Side. We have a partnership with Laundromat Art Space, which is a nonprofit in Miami. We work with Baron Key Arts in Eastern Connecticut. We work with Silo 6776 in New Hope, Pennsylvania. So we are able to still facilitate this nomadic experience where we, during the summer months or when the weather you know, allows us, we're able to host artists one month at a time. Very nice. And so what, uh, what about the Lower East Side as far as a like gallery space, what, what do you down here. I mean, the Lower East Side has a rich history of art, of creatives. I mean, I'm an 80s kid, so the first thing I think of, of course, is Madonna, Squatting, Basquiat, 
writing, you know, mural Samo on the walls, Keith Haring. So that's, first of all, what I think about when I think about, you know, what the Lower East Side has been able to contribute within the art world. So for me, being that several generations later, now we're in the 21st century, how do we continue this conversation? How do we continue to shine a light on emerging artists in the Lower East Side? How do we continue this, let's say, homage to the Lower East Side? And I think we're doing that successfully with our project space. You know, we, our program is queer, Latin artists of color and female artists. We only show those artists, we support those artists because when we started, we felt there was a real need for this. You know, and fast forward, we're now in, you know, 2023 towards the tail end, and now we have many anchor locations. We have NADA's corporate offices, which are three minutes from our gallery. We have, you know, very well-established institutions like Henry Street Settlement, Abrams Arts. So we continue to create a robust arts ecosystem, a creative hub in the Lower East Side, where thank goodness the rents are still affordable, where we can, in many cases, do experimental exhibitions and program and support young emerging artists. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm curious, you know, I don't know. We hear a lot about how um, unaffordable things are these days and how, you know, there's always constant change in New York neighborhoods. As far as the artists themselves, um, what have you seen as far as being uh, just the opportunity? Is it still possible for them to come here um, an early stage and make a go of it? How do you, what are you feeling about that? Are we talking about the Lower East Side or just in general the East Coast? Like New York, Manhattan. New York, I'd say New York and the, and the neighborhood. But So I think the opportunity, in my opinion, lies with a lot of, a lot of nonprofits who offer f- either free studio spaces, subsidized studio spaces. We have LMCC, which used to be in Tribeca, Lower Manhattan Culture, and now they're in Governor's Island. So I think if you are an artist not living in New York, in Brooklyn, and you're looking to come here, I think applying for, you know, the Clemente, for example, uh, I mean, there are many residency programs you can apply for that would be able to lend a helping hand to young artists. I think we're stronger together. So if you were an artist, my suggestion would be is to try to get a studio with a fellow artist or to get a studio space where the whole building accommodates artists where they have, you know, weekend open studios, monthly open studios, because I still think it's really hard to be by yourself and to kind of be a lone wolf. You know, we are the furthest east gallery on Grand Street. So although we're in the Lower East Side, although we're on a main vein, which is Grand Street, and you have blue chip galleries like Peter Blum Gallery, for example, we are closer to the FDR, so it is a little bit of a trek for us. But in exchange for that trek, you know, we have interesting programming, we have, you know, dinners, we have brunches, 
and our rents are a little bit more affordable because we are a little bit further east. Right. So that is still possible, which is nice. I think so. It gives you a little more freedom. And I've heard amazing stories about the dinners. Can you can you describe some of the dinners for us? Well, so hosting, having conversations, bringing art to life, I think is a important role for a gallerist and or for a curator and we put this in our let's say programming sector of the gallery so typically in a traditional gallery an exhibition will live four to five weeks but you have the most attendees at an opening but how do you seize a one month long exhibition and to me the answer is programming whether it's a dinner party, whether it's a panel discussion or a performance. So I guess to better answer your question, every artist exhibition we have, we do a very deep diagnostic with that artist. We talk about, for example, where are you from? Where does food fit in culturally for you? Where does food and beverage fit into your idea of your output as an artist? So. You know, we had one amazing artist last September, Damian Davis, who is a queer artist of color. And for him, we hosted a, a dinner party and we made sure that we hired other young black entrepreneurs and wine vendors and, and, and you know, to make sure that he was also serving that community. We also have another amazing artist, CJ Chueca, who currently has a show at the Sugar Hill Museum. She's from Lima, Peru. And we had you know, a chef come in to do Peruvian food and Peruvian cocktails. So to have a dinner party for the sake of having a dinner party, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in having something more robust where we can have a conversation on also what is hanging on the wall and to create an experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, this really sounds a lot like, um, I mean, much more than just putting up a show. It sounds like community building and very much like cultural engagement around the artist and the, and the work. I think you have to, you know, and as a young gallerist and as we champion emerging artists, I also feel it's our responsibility for anyone coming in that door, if they'd like to learn more about the art, to go, to be able to give them a deep dive, to, to, to say to anyone that comes in, if they have questions, what is it I'm looking at? Mm -hmm. Because I'm constantly asking that question, what is it I'm looking at? And what I'm looking at should reflect the views, whether political, personal, sexual, experiential, what we're looking at should be that experience manifested through the artist's personal lens. I think it's super important. So for us, every artist we show, there has to be a deeper meaning than just beautiful aesthetic pictures on the walls that would match your blue couch because the painting has blue in it. I'm not interested in decorative arts. I'm interested in things that talk about the times we live in and talk about important issues. And in many cases, these issues, artists feel that responsibility to bring these issues to the forefront. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they do have a real... Um 
kind of a, a social purpose, more of a purpose and a... And a responsibility as well. You know, the first year that we opened our gallery, what I found interesting is many of the residents of, you know, the Lower East Side, the first question they would ask is, does it cost to come into the gallery? Really? And I found that surprising because, you know, yes, museums typically have, you know, a suggested fee or there is a cover to come into museums. So I love providing something for our community that is free mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that could be interesting and that could give some life to the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, and where you're not, you know, it's not a transactional relationship. You can come in and experience something. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah, of course. And I think more than ever, it's a, something that's very valuable. And I think post-pandemic, we're all just trying to, you know, reconnect, really, and figure out how to move forward in a way that's not so digitized and isolated, for sure. So I think that's a great um a great gift that you're offering. And how about the road I would, that sort of led you led you here? I know you started your own company before this. So, so the umbrella, my whole umbrella is under Style Curator Incorporated. You know, over 20 years ago, I started to see this awakening happening on the streets. You know, I started to see street artists, you know, creating and making social commentaries on, you know, where we were politically. I mean, at that time, you know, we were during the Bush administration, you know, and right now it's passe to think that, you know, we were very early supporters of like Shepard Ferry, Swoon, Banksy. I mean, these are all household names now, but I really got my start in street art because when you were walking on the streets, you had access to art outside of a traditional brick and mortar environment. And I think street artists were also putting a mirror in the faces of the gallery system, the museum system, and walking into a gallery and feeling like everything was not obtainable and not having a receptionist speak to you or talk to you. So I started my career giving lots of exhibitions to street artists. And as the years evolved, and as you know, many of these street artists, you know, are now famous, are now blue chip artists with blue chip galleries, I then started to see the next movement happening, you know, Black Lives Matter was happening, you know, women's reproductive rights, the Me Too movement. So I was looking again at things that were happening politically and finding my tribe of artists who can talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, if we're, if we're going to talk about female issues, who better than it would be a female artist? Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in having a man talk about female issues. Black Lives Matter, if we're talking about black rights and civil rights, you can't have a Caucasian or a white male talking about these experiences through their lens. It's inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm interested in an authentic experience. I'm also interested in having artists really give us a mirror and say to us creatively and ask questions. 
And this is not about, you know, things that are political on what side of, you know, the blue or the red or in the middle where you sit politically. I think everybody strives for a better life to under, hopefully understand the world we're living in. And I think artists are, could be that conduit for us. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, just inviting more people to the table, you know, you can never, um, never go wrong in that sense. They just haven't been invited to the table. So it's about so time. So we're creating our own table, so to speak. Right. <laughs> Literally, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And do you feel that there, there has been a shift? I mean, I know you're doing all your part um, in a huge, huge way, but in general and sort of the broader picture, are you feeling shifts? I absolutely do. I mean, you're looking now at museums, you're looking at curators. The one positive thing about the cancel culture we're living in is everybody's being held accountable. Blue chip galleries, museums are all being held accountable. I mean, you see now finally representation in the top museums, in the top galleries, women, Latin, color, so the one positive thing I think about cancel culture and about being held accountable is that finally the leaders who should be spearheading us culturally and moving us culturally, I really think it's finally starting to happen. Good. That's good to hear. I'm glad. I mean, it took a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> and there's good. still a lot more work to do because, you know, female artists are not making the same amount as male artists. You know, female curators are not making the same amount as male curators. So there's still a huge gap. But as we as we begin to cultivate curators of color, uh, collectors of color, collectors of queer arts, as long as we start to cultivate those other segues and points of view, I think, I think we'll be heading and we are heading in a positive direction. Good. I'm really glad to hear that. That's a, that's a good, uh, good sign. And I, so that being said, I mean, what would you hope things look like creatively on the Lower East Side here, say in like, in then 10 years from now? I mean, we have an amazing museum, the new museum, you know, one of the artists who created the literally probably a 200-foot painting on canvas. Winnie Minerva started in our residency during the pandemic. That's she great. lived with us for three months, and now she's at the new museum. I'd love to see more institutions here, and I'd love to see more institutions reflect the diversity of the Lower East Side. But I also would love to see more public sculpture here. You know, you walk, to me, the, the first significant public sculpture is in Astor Place. It's the beautiful Keith Haring sculpture. But we don't really have any public sculpture in the Lower East Side. So I would like to see that change more. We have a lot of public spaces. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness all the beautiful parks are being redone. And they're completely redoing the park on the East Side, which I think is going to be amazing. You know, there's... You know, other people who are like, this is horrible, but I think it's going to be better. I felt like for many years, the Lower East Side has received no love. You, know, you look at the West Side and you look 
and what they've accomplished there. Yeah. We could easily do it here in the east side. So I think probably what I'd like to see is more institutions that reflect the diversity of the Lower East Side. And I'd love to see more free public sculpture, but of artists from the Lower East Side. I mean, there's no reason that why the, a Keith Haring should not be in the Lower East Side. Right. You know, Keith Haring was from the Lower East Side. Right. That's a great point. Really great. Okay, well, I look forward to following your your um, <laughs> your movement towards that as well. Um, and what would you share about your current show and your upcoming shows? Well, so we have a super exciting show. Most galleries are closed the month of August, and we're no different. We also need a vacation as well. So we have a show in the window now, which is a site-specific installation uh, from Olivia Ark. She just got her BFA from Hunter. She now is getting her MFA at RISD in Rhode Island. So when I started to think about the Lower East Side, I started to think about mom and pop shops, butcher shops. So Ophelia created through crocheting a whole, basically a butcher shop in our window that is illuminated. You can come and see it 24 seven. I would suggest coming at night and it's basically a butcher shop all made of crochet with meat hooks and chains and, and life-size, you know, pieces of meat and, <laughs> and, and, you know, prosciutto. So it's super, super cool. That's amazing. And, and how long is that up for? That's all of August, August 1st to August 31st. And then September is our big anchor exhibition. We have an exciting artist from Uruguay named Guillermo Garcia Cruz, who will have his first solo exhibition here with us called Screen One. And then in September, we're excited to announce that Kate's Ferry Projects was accepted to NADA House on Governor's Island. We have a brilliant uh, undocumented artist, Francisco Dinoso, who will be creating a, another site-specific installation, uh, conceptualizing chain link fences, which represent all of the walls, borders that are being, you know, put up through all of North America, whether they're physical barriers or conceptual barriers, this artist is going to create this beautiful chain link fence that will occupy the whole second floor of one of the buildings at Nada House. So that's pretty exciting for us. Fantastic. Thank yeah, you. Thank that's you. That's really wonderful. Natalie, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Thank you. It was really fun to talk to you. And I mean, I think you're doing exciting, wonderful things and projects on the Lower East Side. And thank you. We, you know, we love your platform. We've you've been a huge, you know, followers of what you guys are doing and the way you're aggregating information and bringing us all together and, you know, shining a light on other creatives you know, that are happening in the Lower East Side that, that were never previously in my radar. So thank you so much for what you're doing for the Lower East Side. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> Our pleasure. Yes, absolutely. It's great to be part of the whole community. Thank you.